Well, you have your Bibles? Well, you have your Bibles? Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Wonderful. I want to let you know that I don't have a clock. (laughs) Uh, But I got a lot of folks out there that does, right? That's what I thought. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Acts. Just one verse. Jimmy has asked Barry to preach this morning in the first service and asked me to preach in this service. And Mr. Doug is going to be preaching tonight. And so you're going to hear three great preachers. Jimmy will be back next week and you can hear him. Yeah. But Jimmy asked us if we would stay in line with his basic Christianity at the ground level. And he's assigned me the title or the subject of witnessing. Witnessing. In Acts 1 and verse 8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, in our day and in our time, we interpret that to mean that we'll be witnesses, and we'll be witnesses right here at home, here across the country, and even around the world. That's the way we understand that verse to be. And I don't see a thing wrong with that interpretation of that verse. I want to do something, though. Barry, I came in to hear Barry's message this morning. I want to take about two minutes and share with you what he said. And I wrote it down on an envelope. First, His first point was, to be a witness, you've got to reflect God. And that's right on target. His second point was, you've got to build relationships. That's right there, right on target. He said, you've got to live as salt into a world. Right on target. And then he says, his closing point was to be an example. That's a great message. Barry comes at this matter of witnessing in a little bit different angle than I'm going to approach it. But it's a good angle. And I told him so. As a matter of fact, not made at the result of his preaching, but this morning there was a young man who came to be to receive Christ as Savior. Isn't that wonderful? Man, that's what it's all about. (laughs) That's why we're here. In fact, is you'll notice the title of this message is Witnessing Our Reason to Live. Now, I want you to notice what it does not say. It does not say witnessing my reason or your reason, but our reason for living. I believe that each of us as believers are witnesses. Sometimes we're not as good a witness as we'd want to be. Sometimes we might even classify ourselves as a bad witness. You know, when you hit your thumb with the hammer, someone else is there with you. You know, when you go to get out of the car and trip and fall down on the hot pavement and uh, something comes forth that you wouldn't be so proud of. Other things happen in our lives and where it, it moves us into the realm of being such a bad witness. 
But all of us are witnesses. Someone has said, better than bad or good would be a term used as useful or useless witness. A useful witness or a useless witness. There's an interesting thing that God said, and I've remembered it. I'm not going to tell you, stand here and lie to you. I have not always practiced it. But God says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do it that He might get glory. Now, I'll tell you what that says to me. That says to me that in the realm of witnessing, witness in order that I might glorify Him. That's why I've entitled this message, Witnessing Our Reason to Live. That's why we're here. Why didn't we, the day we invited Jesus Christ into our lives, why didn't we just die at that moment? Because there are others we would leave behind who have not yet made that choice and made that decision. So therefore, our reason for living is to be a witness for Christ. And yet... It seems like we put less emphasis on that than so many other things. Last week, as the week progressed, day after day after day after day, it seemed like I got farther behind than a step ahead. Some of you know what I mean, don't you? It's like being in the quicksand, and the more you wiggle, the deeper you sink. Do you ever, or have you ever made out a list of things to do for that day or that week? And when you get through the day or the week, you look at your list and you've barely dented the list. We get so busy in doing so much that maybe we're forgetting the main things and the main thing. But I want to mention to you something about witnessing this morning, a little bit different uh, angle than Barry took earlier today. Today. I want to talk to you a little bit about different forms of witnessing. Now think about it. Different forms of witnessing. Aren't you glad that we, as God's creatures, are made in a different form? Some are short and some are tall. Some are pretty. Then there are the others. There's something about form. And I really believe as I begin to think about that, I begin to think about the different forms of witnessing. And I want to just share several with you. First of all, one of the forms of witnessing is what I call the personal testimony. As a matter of fact, I think that's my favorite. It's easy for me to sit down with someone, or stand up for that matter, but just to tell them my personal testimony. When I was nine years old, preacher walked down the road, walked down that little uh, trail up to the front porch, looked at me and told me about the tears in my eyes that if I didn't accept Jesus, I was going to go to hell. Well, no little boy of nine years old wants to go to hell. So I said, well, what's the alternative? And he said, receive Jesus and you can go to heaven. Well, what little nine-year-old boy wouldn't make that choice? I didn't understand it all. But I made the choice. And I have believed in my heart all those years, almost 60 additional years, that that choice I made on that Saturday morning 
was the biggest and most important choice I ever made in my life. Now, lights didn't flash. Thunder didn't turn loose. I didn't even have a sense of feeling so differently. But what I did do was that I ran up the road and got my friend Mike. and said, Mike, you've got to come down here. I'm not going to hell anymore. And you are. But that bald-headed preacher can tell you how you can miss it. And I went and got Mike. Mike came down and preacher led him to the Lord right there on my front porch. I didn't even know that's what I was supposed to do. I just had a sense that something had taken place so important in my life that I wanted to share it. Now, I don't understand all of that. But I believe God, at that very moment of my life, was giving direction unto me. And be honest with you, at nine years old, I couldn't see it. But the personal testimony. There's another form of witnessing, and I just simply call it faithfulness in church attendance. When I was a young boy growing up, well, I'm still growing up. Well, I'm growing out. But when I was a young boy growing up, we had a lady in our church who was blind and deaf. Elderly woman. I don't know how old she was, but elderly. You know, when you're 10, 11, 12, 26 is old. But she was one of these ladies that wore a hat in every Sunday. In fact, we boys, mom would give us a penny or a nickel to put in the offering plate. We would stand at the door and gamble, bet on what she's going to wear, what kind of hat she's going to wear. All the money would go in the offering plate. But we would just bet each other, she's going to have fruit on her head today or feathers or whatever it might be. But you know what? She would come and she would sit right about where Richard Munn is in our church, First Baptist Church in Smyrna. She would sit right there. And what I heard her and her testimony being, why did she come? She couldn't either see or hear. She just wanted people to know whose side she was on. That's a personal testimony. It's not spoken, but it's shown. And faithfulness and church attendance, I believe, is a form of witness. I've heard someone give a testimony one time that their neighbor, every Sunday morning, they'd see them back out of their driveway and head off to church. And week after week, month after month, maybe even year after year, they got under such conviction about it, they decided one Sunday they would go to church. And under the preaching of the gospel, they received Christ as their Savior. Church and faithfulness of attending church is a form of witnessing. I believe, too, that another form of witnessing is personal involvement. It's always fun to be around this building in the weekday, weekday time. People come in and out. And it's especially fun about 2 o'clock on Wednesdays. There's some people who come in here to stuff the bags for the food closet. And this past week, one of the ladies, well, there were two ladies here, and I just stopped by there. I'm always fascinated by... Who's coming? What are they doing in there? Usually when it's two ladies, they're talking a lot. Kathy. But it's interesting. Do you know that's a form of witnessing? They may not, or they may be, 
But for the most part, they're witnessing to both people who are already believers that they believe God can honor and bless that ministry by their coming just to take a can of this and a sack of that and put in a bag and have it ready for those people who do come in with their need. It's a form of witnessing. Personal involvement. There are many other ways of personal involvement. Faithful sacrifice of time and resources. Faithful sacrifice. I'm going to tell you something I've never said from the pulpit before. You know what bothers me about the Southern Baptist Convention? Is we got the guys up yonder making the big bucks, and the guys down here in the pulpits are making the sacrifice. That's my biggest complaint about our convention. Why don't they show a little sacrifice? And I've asked them, and I'm not too well received when I ask them. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? Well, the same goes here at home. Why are some people living like fat calves and some people are sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing? Be a wonderful thing if we could all equal, equally sacrifice. Sacrificing of time and resources. I love to tell this story, and I could tell it again today. But one day during the week, I came up to the building, got out of my truck, and walked up, and there was a bunch of ladies on the front porch out there, yakking. But they were really yakking about good stuff, because they were yakking about who they're going to see and who was absent from their Sunday school class. Carolyn Johnson came down here this morning and told me, she said, four of us went by to see so-and-so this, this week. That Sunday school class does that all the time. That's not an uncommon activity for that Sunday school class to do. But it's a sacrifice. Do you know how hot it was this week? Little old Carolyn Johnson and her crew, she's, she's shriveled up. Carolyn's going to kick me for sure when I get done here. But I love and appreciate what those ladies are doing and the efforts they're making. They're making the genuine sacrifices of time and resources. That's a witness. That's a form of witness. And there are many other innovative ways. Some of you have come up with some wonderful uh, ways of witnessing. Someone can make a beautiful garden and grow beautiful vegetables and fruits and bring them up here and share them with us and with them. I've always got my finger in the pot, you know. Roger comes up here with a good-looking squash. I'm going to get some. And I know Jane's the one that grows it. <laughs> Grover hadn't given me any yet. Grover, your garden's dried up, hasn't it? There are a lot of different ways and forms of witnessing. Much of it is innovative ways in which you do. Cooking a cake, baking a cake, or whatever it is. Sometimes coming up here and sharing something with the staff. We love that. <laughs> and it's showing. But you can think of more ways. Someone here invites a couple over to their home, I think, every week. 
to have supper with them. Someone in their little neighborhood, they made it a practice every Tuesday night or whatever it might be, evening, they had that someone over, someone different. And they're meeting and greeting and welcoming these people into their subdivision. Several of them have come to our church as a result of that. Innovative methods and ways of witnessing. Many of you are actively involved in that. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's, and it's a beneficial thing. You know, even the building of a new building, I was thinking about this this week, even the building of a new worship center down the road is a witness to a community. Matt and I were talking this week, our uh, 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 music minister. We were talking this week. I remember one time I was going through a small town and I was looking for the church. I always look when I go through these small towns. To, I want to drive, drive by the church right there in town. And I look, and how do you find the church? You look for the steeple, don't you? Because it identifies that building. Well, there's a, a town up in North Georgia that doesn't have a steeple in town. It's a new building. It's got a, a rise to it, but imprinted on the rock, the rock formation there, there's a cross. Instead of a steeple, they decided to put a cross on the big brick uh, facial. It's a witness. You don't have to go by and say, what, what's that building? That's a witness to what that building is. It's a, it's a church. Now, it may not be a Baptist church, but it's a church. There are many forms of witnessing. Some young folks do it now, but back a few years ago, everybody, all the young folks were wearing crosses. Remember that? It's a form of witness. Now they're wearing these little rubber uh, bracelets, little fishes, and what are they called them, little hickeys? The little witnesses, that's what they call them. Janine and I were talking to someone from out west. It hasn't gotten out there yet. I thought everything started out west and came this way. But no, just different ways of witnessing. In the Scriptures, there's several different forms given. And I just want to really make more reference to them than anything. But first there was Peter. He preached... A sermon with power. In the 22nd chapter of Acts, we read, excuse me, in the 2nd chapter of Acts, we read about when Peter stood up and preached. And for 38 verses, he preached. And in the 40 or 41st verse, it says, and 3,000 people were saved. That's a form of witnessing the preaching of the Word of God. I like the form that Philip chose. Remember Philip? When the eunuch was riding through the desert and God just took Philip and woof, put him out there. I can see Philip running along just right now. Toe go blowing in the breeze. What I do now? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, well you can tell me what this scripture means. I'm reading here but it doesn't make sense to me. And Philip just took that and interpreted it to him. Taught him what the scriptures Every Sunday school teacher, every Bible teacher is a witness and is a form of a witness for the gospel. Then there's Paul who told his story. I love Paul. In fact, I've used many times 
when I was pastoring and we would be uh, teaching uh, soul winning class and I always go back to Paul because Paul, charges had been brought against him. He said, well, can I just speak to the people? And he was given permission. He just stood up and said, y'all all know me. I was raised right here under the teaching of Gamaliel. And I believed as y'all did. I believed God. But I didn't believe in Jesus Christ. And so those that did, I persecuted them. I brought many to chains, locked them up. Some of them we killed. But now let me tell you my story. One day I was walking down the road to Damascus. And he begins to tell his story. Have you ever tried to tell your story? When I teach a soul winning class, I try to tell people to tell their story in three to four minutes. Because most of us shut people off after about five or six, as some of you have already. We need to learn to tell our story. I want to show you something in the book of Acts. I'm not going to read it all, but in the 22nd chapter of Acts, beginning with verse 1, I'm not going to read it, but I just want to tell you what Paul says here. He says, I've not always been a Christian. Now we might say, I've not always been a good guy. You may think I'm a good guy, but I'm really not. I haven't always been a good guy. He said, but one day... And he uses the Damascus Road experience. He says, I committed my life to Christ. And now my life is different. That's really what he says in that 22nd chapter. You can read it and you can see those three points there. I was not always saved, but now I am and my life is different. That's your story. Simplified, but you can add your story to that outline and it will produce... It will produce. That's a witness. And that's a form of a witness. I think, personally, I think it's the best form. It's best because that's the one I use. But you see, I can make my story three or four minutes. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But I can do it. Because I've practiced it. I've practiced it at home. I've practiced it out in the yard. The squirrels don't even like me. I practiced it and practiced it. Now I can go before people and within three or four minutes I can tell them my story that once I was lost but now I'm fine, was blind, but now I see. It's a form of witnessing. Now I just want to remind you of a couple of things. What we're doing here at Palmetto Baptist Church. Number one is, and Jimmy has really pounded this upon the staff, whatever you do, do it the best you can. If you can't do it the best... Can't. Y'all know what that is. If you cannot do it the best you can, then don't do it until you get everything in order and do it the best. You know that come to light a couple of Wednesday nights ago we were going to have in lieu of prayer meeting, we are having a covered dish supper. And I had invited a young man to come and he was going to play his guitar and cut up with us and have some fun with us, but the last moment he called and said he couldn't come. So I get on the phone as usual and say, hey, Mike, bail me out. And you know what? I heard more people comment about Mike Exner's program that night that he hardly had any time to prepare for. 
It's amazing what God will do. If you put forth the effort, it may not follow exactly the, exactly the way you planned it. But God will do something favorable because you put forth the effort. Have you ever felt, can I use the word in here, stupid? Merle, you know what that is. Have you ever felt like you lacked something? <laughs> Have you ever felt like there was something missing in your abilities or plans or programs? That it was going to fall through, you come right up to the last minute. And you were scared to death because there was failure for sure. And after everything was said and done, you just got to scratch your head and say, Wow, it happens to me all the time. Honestly, it does. All the time. Y'all get ready for a peach trip. We've got it planned, but who knows what might happen on that peach trip. You know what, go, what happens on a peach trip stays on the peach trip. We're tempted to do the best we can with what we have. In teaching the Scriptures in Sunday school class. Did you know there are people right now who are praying and seeking to select and choose those who will be leading Sunday school classes? Wanting the best they can get to lead the classes in Bible studies. Understanding the Scriptures. We're doing the best we can in providing music. There's no, there's no qualms about our music program here. Chris Gould has been around so long, he can teach Methuselah a few things. But he does a great job. Now we've got young Matt. He's not the best looking guy in the world. But you ought to hear his heart. I'm telling you, if you'd spend a day with Matt Kiefer, you would, you would decide that this guy... It's something else. I've had that said about me too, but I'm always something else on the lighter side. Matt has got a great heart for God, and he's trying to lead us through what we call contemporary music worship. I've been here several times, and I walk in and I tell him, it may not be my style, but brother, I really appreciate your heart being in what you do. And he does it. And he doesn't like folks cutting up while he's doing it. Because he's so serious about leading us to worship through music. And giving opportunities for growing and relationships. I love Sunday mornings. I love getting in here a little early and speaking to people and few folks I have to introduce myself to, the younger generation especially. This morning I came early to hear Barry preach, and after the service, someone come up and said, Are you a visitor? You know. Because we don't all get to see each other all the time, do we? So there's times in which we, as a church, we try to provide opportunities that we can intermingle and get to know each other. Because we're a church, we're a family. And that's what family does. Sometime toward the end of August, my family of ten is going to be getting together, my nine brothers and sisters, up in the middle of the mountains where nobody knows where we are, nobody can interrupt us, and we're just going to have a blast 
We do it once a year. It's so important. So important. And I know many of you do things like that as well. Things change, though, over the years, don't they? My family always says, we've said everything we know to say, we just repeat it. (laughs) But it's fun. It's enjoyable and it's needful. That's what we try to do here, Palmetto Baptist Church, for our church family. I don't know if you've read your bulletin or not, but you better. Because in that bulletin, it says that about this peach trip, you you are welcome to invite a friend. That's what we're about. We're trying to reach people, build relationships. Let them know who we are, and we wanting to know who they are. I'm not interested in their bank account, but I am interested in how they're living day by day, week by week, year by year. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you ever been to church before? We had a young man come in here about three or four years ago, sat back just about where Stephen's sitting, I guess. And he said that was, he told me, he said, this is the first time I've ever been to church except for my sister's wedding. Today, in our day and in our time, providing these opportunities. There's something else that maybe you don't know, but I want you to be aware of it. Your staff. We each have assigned what I'm going to call age groups to minister to. Did you know each time someone comes into this service or these services here, fills out a visitation card, we get the copy. A couple of weeks ago, there was a, a, a senior adult couple who came. That card was given to me. I called them, let them know how fortunate we were to have them in our worship service, invited them to come back, etc. and so forth, offered any assistance in any way we can. Those opportunities... It's a way of witnessing. It's a form of witnessing. And there are various and many right here at Palmetto Baptist Church. My point is this. Do you and I actually give a consistent witness? I say we do. I I commend you, Palmetto Baptist Church, for giving a consistent witness to a community that needs to hear, needs to see, needs to know who we are and what we're about. I commend you for that. Then why in heaven's name, buddy, are you dealing with this issue this morning? I'm so glad you asked. Because you see, every day, There are still people who are dying and going into eternity without Jesus, without any hope. Jimmy and I were talking, within the last three weeks, I think Jimmy's had about five funerals. I've had two. And Jimmy said in in his five, he thinks there was two of them that had never been never accepted Christ as their Savior, the person that died. I know there was one that I had, had not. I didn't know him. I was just invited in. A funeral home called me and asked me if I could take part in that and assist them in that. I knew the other. 
But that one I did not. What do you do? You go and you present the gospel. You give the people who are there hope. I said the other day, one of the devotionals we had here, that hope is a powerful thing. Without hope, there is no hope. And there's what people call depression and unwarranted guilt and anxieties. But if there's hope, and people, that's what we're about. That's who we are. That's our reason to live, is to give people hope. And the way we live, and what we say, and the way we act, even the way we dress, the way we respond to their criticisms, it's a witness of who we are. And after all, who are we? We're God's children. We're children under His grace. Saved by His grace, Jesus. God so loved the world that He sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I should have been nailed there, but He took my place. You should have been nailed there, but He took our place. So what do we do? We give witness to that fact. That He loves us so that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us. That's a witness. Now how do you do it? Many of you are doing it. Most of you are doing it. In some way, all of us are witnesses. Some are just more useful than others. I believe, though, that the time has come for the church to become more aggressive. Please hear that one word. Aggressive. What that means is this, very simply stated. That means instead of me sitting here or standing here preaching, waiting on somebody to come, it's time for me to go to them. That's aggressiveness. We've got neighbors on our street that I don't even know who they are. I've been thinking all year, that we need to have a big hot dog blast in my front yard. Inviting all the neighbors to come. At least getting to know them by their first name. And I hadn't done anything about it. It's time, church, that we become aggressively seeking and searching for those who are lost. Who have no hope. That's the cry of Jesus today. Go into the highways, into the hedges. Compel them. That's aggressiveness. Not waiting on them to come to us. Do you hear the message today? There are many forms of witnessing. Find you one. Choose you one. But do it. And do it aggressively. For the glory of God. I beg you. And I plead with you. I pray for you. As I trust you'll be praying for me as well. Because I too need to become more aggressive in my seeking and my searching. As a matter of fact, did you know what? There could be someone here today, right here in this room, who has never really received Christ as their Savior and their Lord. In just a moment, we're going to sing what we call a hymn of invitation. We're inviting you to step out into an aisle and come. Say, preacher, I heard you say that God so loved me 
that He sent Jesus to die on a cross for me. And preacher, I, that's what I need. I need someone to save me. I need someone who has loved me and cared for me and provided unto me now the way of salvation. And preacher, I understand that you said it's Jesus. And I want to come and invite Him into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. There may be someone here today that's an aggressive approach to inviting you to come to Christ. Would you do it? Wow, I pray so. Damon's going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to sing. Okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for the opportunity You've given me to share with these dear people our personal need and call to witness and to do it aggressively. Our taking the first step. But I thank You also for the privilege You've given me to aggressively present the gospel. And I trust the power of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to anyone in this room that has not yet received Christ as Savior. This would be the day of salvation for them. Grant it, O God, we ask in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen.